THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 529 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Bob. I'm the internet's Joe Patrick. Matt, everything is different in here. What do you mean? We got a different soundboard. We got a new board. I got a different little fuzzy thing on I my microphone. I gave you the yellow one because you're a coward. <laughs> That's <laughs> that a, right. Change. I fear change. <laughs> In this week's episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, May 22nd's new comics with spotlight reviews of Clue, Candlestick, number one, and Road of Bones, number one. After that, we'll review eight more of this week's comics just in time for the Stanley Cup playoffs during the ludicrous speed round. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're about to cloud up and rain on some asses while we discuss our must-read picks for next week and finally... It's Toots time in the Ziggurat, where we hand over the show to our favorite dungeon master. It's all happening in this no-holds-barred episode. But first, we better talk about this week's... Ugh, those holds nerd out news! Ugh. Yeah, there's no holds barred. Ouch. Yeah, that shit hurts. Maybe they should think about barring a couple. Maybe we should bar a few holds. Yeah. <laughs> Twilight actor Robert Pattinson is in final talks to play Bruce Wayne slash Batman in director Matt Reeves's The Batman. Not if my petition has anything to say about it. <laughs> this news comes according to Variety. The Hollywood Trade reports that casting has not been finalized, but that a deal is expected to close to put Pattinson in the lead role as a younger iteration of Batman. Meanwhile, Deadline reports that Dark Phoenix actor Nicholas Holt, who has played Hank McCoy in four X-Men films, is also in strong contention for the role. I don't see it. I, what do you mean you don't see it? I don't see it for him. I, I could see it. Nah. He's a good actor. Sure, but I don't see him as Batman. I think he can do whatever he wants. Hmm. Whoever is cast would take over the role from Ben Affleck, who appeared as Batman in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, and Justice League. Either Pattinson or Holt would be the youngest actor to play Batman in film. Pattinson is 32. Holt is 29. Filming is expected to begin this summer. The current release date is June 21st, 2021. Uh-huh. No way. <laughs> I mean, that's two years from now. I know, but I'm just saying. There's going to be something that pushes it back. I don't have a problem with either of these guys at all. I actually prefer Pattinson, to be honest. Pattinson is good. He's a good like, actor. A lot of people's gut reaction, people who haven't seen any of his other movies... Are like sparkly vampire Batman. Okay. okay, time out. That is so stupid. It is. And let me tell you what, Robert Pattinson hates the Twilight movies just as of much as he you does. Do. And you think <laughs> if they called me and said, Matt, do you want to be in the Twilight movies? I would say, fuck yes, I do. Give me that paycheck. <laughs> I don't care. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's like saying like Robert De Niro was a bad movie because he made Meet the Fockers, you know? Sure, right, right. That's ridiculous. But I mean, he has gone on to do some really impressive work. He really has. In a lot of like art house indie films and stuff. Okay, in defense of, what's his name? Nicholas Holt? Holt. Nicholas, Nicholas Holt. Holt. He's a great actor, but I think he's, he's too much of a baby face. I don't. I don't think so. I think he, I mean, he was Nux in uh, The Road Warrior, mm, you know? Uh, Fury Road, yeah. Didn't have he a was, baby yeah. face there. He was scary, man. My only problem with both of these guys, 
They need to get ripped. Well, sure, but I mean... They need to get ripped. And I'm talking like werewolf from Twilight ripped, okay? Like ripped up. Look, Chris Pratt went from being chubby, schlubby Andy Dwyer... That's true. ...to being Star-Lord, truly impressive. He had the frame. He was a big guy already. Yeah. And, you know, and Pattinson is like 6'2 or something like that. He's a tall guy. Michael Keaton was Batman. But he's a beanpole. I don't even care. That was a long time ago. Look. Hollywood movie magic. Ben Affleck doesn't look like that either. That shit's changed. Ben Affleck's a pretty ripped up dude. Eh. Ben Affleck's again big. He can do that shit. I'm look. I'm into it. I think I think Robert Pattinson would do a great job. He's got that brooding. Yeah. down definitely. Coming straight from the Wildstorm desk, writer Warren Ellis and artist Ramon Villalobos will relaunch Wildcats this August, the new number one and a new mission in which the team protects humanity from its own worst interests. I kind of love it. This is a quote. The first line I wrote for Wildcats was saving the human race from the human race, says Ellis. (laughs) It's a team made up of people who have seen the worst in everybody and everything and yet still put themselves in, frankly, absurd amounts of jeopardy just so tomorrow might be a little bit better. And it's a short series, so I might just kill them all. Come and see what happens. The art is great. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. My and only complaint is that it's six issues. Yeah. But, but that's, that's that was the mandate of the Wildstorm yes. relaunch going forward. It was going to be the main book. This is also Warren Told Ellis. in arcs. We and know. And then short yes. series interspersed. And that's probably the best way to do it, rather than letting it languish with another writer. Warren Ellis is so good. And this relaunch has been absolutely wonderful. Do I wish it would go on forever? Yes. But I would rather just have really good stories starring these characters. And you can't. Go back into the Demonite War bullshit. Sure, no, no, no. It's so played out. This is such a great idea for this series in the direction. I am super excited. You want to read the synopsis here real quick? From the pages? You go ahead and read it. All right. From the pages of The Wild Storm, the piratical covert team are here to stop humanity from destroying itself. The Black Ops team features Grifter, Savant, John Colt, and Adriana Tereshkova. That's void. And they have discovered that the secret space program Skywatch has been performing medical experiments on abducted innocents for decades. I knew it! And now one of those experiments is about to explode, revealing a new threat and level of danger that no one could have prepared for. The covert team may have thought the world was strange before, but they had no idea, and now the stakes might just be too high. I think the big thing here is Ramon Villalobos. He's so good. On the art. That dude is a rising star, yeah, and he was on a super high-profile vertical launch that got tanked through no fault of his own. No, no. And I'm glad that he's on this high-profile project. I'm yeah. very excited. This is awesome. Uh, Wildcats 1, due August 28th. You'll be able to pre-order in your June previews. Mm-hmm. Watch for our drunk previews. Pardon me. Previews after dark. Previews after dark. Right? Coming soon. In Marvel News, writer Jonathan Hickman, who takes over the X-Men franchise with July's House of X and... Powers of 10, number one, says that the entire line of the X-Men comic books will be canceled to coincide with the launch of the two bi-weekly titles. you got to do it. You have to do it. My first reaction was like, your first reaction. You tweeted me and you were like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. I, I did. <laughs> you got to do it. Here's a quote that I think is kind of hilarious. I'm just going to read it in a tone that I'm sure he did not intend. Do it in a funny voice. Do it in your Jonathan Hickman voice. I just didn't feel like doing a new number one was enough. Like, the idea that he just didn't feel like working with the other X-Men books. Yeah, I think you could do whinier. 
I didn't I didn't feel, feel like just like doing it. another new number no. one. <laughs> he says, I didn't feel like just doing a new number one was enough. I also didn't think that if we were serious about what we were trying to do, we should have a mixed message in the market about what an X book is. And that makes sense to me. Yes. Having the this other. This is what I need to hear. Having the other X books just lingering along right. a slow death. Like what is going on there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I I argued for canceling the entire line. This is Hickman again. This yes. isn't Joe Patrick right. arguing. I made I called CB Sabolski <laughs> myself. I argued CB Sabolski <laughs> here. <laughs> I argued for canceling the entire line. Why it would work. Why it was a good idea. And most importantly, why it was what we needed to do narratively to return the X Men to their rightful prominent position in the Marvel universe. How excited does that quote make you? Very. This is someone who loves the X Men understands they need to stand alone and do their thing and be their own X thing, but also as a unified message under one title or two titles that spell out who are the X-Men, who's on the team, what do they do? This is exactly what we need. Yes. Uh, Hawks and Pox <coughs> will be released. Uh, <laughs> That's House of X and Powers of X. Yeah. For well, those of you who haven't been reading the graffiti on the wall. <laughs> we'll run for six <laughs> issues each over three months. Uh, each title will alternate on a weekly schedule. Following that, Hickman says Marvel plans to relaunch the X-Men line with some traditional titles and some new ideas. Of course, we'll get Uncanny. We'll get X-Men. Yes, including a new core flagship title, which Hickman will write. Uh, what's more, it's part of a multi-year, multi-wave plan to revamp the X-Men. More info to be unveiled at Comic-Con International in July. Now. Hot damn. We're excited about this. Hot damn. It's going to be great. Let's get to the bigger story. Okay. Do you think this is Marvel preparing us for X-Men movie news? I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that leap, no, because Kevin Feige is the one steering that ship, and he said... You guys got to slow your roll. They lie to us all the time. They lie to Sometimes us they all lie. the time. Remember the TV announcements that all turned out to be bullshit? What TV announcements that all turned out to be bullshit? Oh, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's and happening. They're all happening. Yeah, it's not going to be called the Falcon and the Winter Soldier anymore. He's Captain fucking America. We don't know that. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. Yes, we do. We got the shield. We don't know. Don't play dumb. <laughs> you poor naive fool. <laughs> Uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I don't yes. know that it's necessarily going to lead into any Marvel movie stuff. Hickman, uh, there was another story today. Hickman said, it's not an alternate universe. Yeah. It's not time travel. But it better not be. But I mean, but you can understand why people would think that because there's a lot of weirdness going on in the promo art. Right, right. But yeah, this is it. It's the X-Men, baby. I love it. And just to hear somebody, especially like a Hickman, who's this passionate about it and they're going to let him just do whatever he wants. This is the place to do it. Take the X-Men. Fuck it, man. You're not going to ruin it anymore. Yeah, yeah. He says, wave one is already in production. Uh, creative teams and titles will be announced at SDCC, which is the week before House of X goes on sale. Uh, they've also finished the plan for wave two, which will debut in 2020. So cool. I just did a air fist pump. Yeah, that's really good for radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in sad news... Colorist Justin Ponzer died on Saturday, May 18th, at the age of 42, following a two-year public battle with cancer. Ponzer got his start at Wildstorm back in 1995 and freelance for many years before settling almost exclusively at Marvel in 2005. You may remember us talking about his fight against cancer and the GoFundMe page he had to launch just to pay for his treatment. The man worked from his hospital bed. Justin's situation is just another reminder of the importance of supporting creators you love and the urgency for creators to unionize so they gain the power to start fixing this broken industry. There was some 
bullshit arguments on Twitter this week about, oh, socialist leftist propaganda. Nobody made him work from the hospital bed, and he had health care. Fuck you. Right. He still had to put together a fucking GoFundMe page to pay for the health care that is inherently broken in this system alone. Yeah, like, what is the Let point? alone how broken it is for these people that have no representation yeah. whatsoever. Right. Unionize, brothers. Like, not, everyone, it now. not everyone is a Bendis or a Fraction or exactly. a Remender or whoever. And I will not buy any of this bullshit that nobody made him. Fuck off with that, all right? The man is dead, first of all. And he worked because he loved his work. He right. didn't work because he knew, oh, I got to get paid. He was dying. Well, you're, but beyond that, I mean, I'm sure he did love his work, but beyond that is like he didn't know he was going to die. He was fighting to survive. Well, at the same time, the doctors didn't give him a good prognosis, I'm sure. Look, look, we don't want to speculate about any of that that happened behind the scenes, but like the guy had to work until his dying day just to stay afloat. Right. That's fucked and up. How many times have we read this story about another creator? We just did a story about it two weeks ago. Got sick. Couldn't has no health insurance whatsoever. Needed help, and it was not there. I don't want to hear any of this anti-union bullshit. They need to organize. They need to take care of each other. And Marvel, DC, the two big guys—they need to get behind this. They have the money. They to need do to that. push it. They have the money to support and these. Creators. Everyone else will follow. Did you see that bullshit United anti-union thing that circulated a week or so ago? Yeah, where it's like. Union dues are $700 a, a year. You could use that to buy a new Xbox. Give me a goddamn break. Fuck off. Yeah, it's disgusting. That is your angry nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while filling out our Game of Thrones do-over petitions. You should read my script. It is bonkers and it's full of gay sex <laughs> so hit us up on the dhn forums big news section or better yet tune in to cover to cover live every saturday where we broadcast on our facebook page from 11 30 to 12 30 central time it's like sports talk radio for nerds and without all the nba lottery conspiracy yeah, theories. shut up new york knicks fan all right shut up you did not deserve zion okay screw you i don't understand anything that just happened <laughs> So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, leave us a message or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. And he's not going back to Duke either. Zion is not going back to Duke. They're throwing so much money at this guy. You don't know. You people are insane. You don't know. (laughs) It's spotlight review time in the ziggurat where we prove we have no business doing this job, let alone holding any other type of professional appreciation position. It's true. Matt, would you like to embarrass yourself first? Absolutely. This week, I'm reviewing Clue Candlestick, number one, from IDW. It's written and drawn by Dash Shaw. It is 36 pages for $4.99. And here is your solicit. All of your favorite suspicious characters are back in this new brain twister based on the timeless detective game, ripe with puzzles, secrets, and lies. In Clue Candlestick, everyone is a suspect. Cartoonist auteur Dash Shaw unleashes his murderous imagination on the quirky, thrilling, and mysterious world of Clue. From the creative mind that brought you the animated movie, My Entire High School Sinking Into the Sea, you gotta fucking find that and see it. It was great. Visionary creator Dash Saw reimagines the world of Clue in this suspense-filled murder mystery. Each extra-length issue also features brand new Clue game cards based on the comics. 
We'll have to take their word for that. Yeah. Because we didn't get none. <laughs> no, we read the digital version. <laughs> Dashaw is a weirdo. He makes weird comics that leave the reader with a sense of unease. Not like David Lynch weird and disturbing, but more like Coen Brothers' ability to find the bizarre and the seemingly mundane. At first glance, Shaw's art can seem simple, but his thin line and amazing perspective create emotion and mystique at the level of masters like Daniel Klaus and Chris Ware. Like, this comic isn't so much drawn as it is designed. Yes, and what better place to show off weird than the cast of characters starring in the game of Clue. Shaw's first act sets up the origin of all the murder weapons. That was awesome. In a one-page spread that adds a mythos to the original game that was sorely lacking. Professor Plum is the main character in the story, investigating death threats sent to Mr. Body, and the entire cast joins him for a dinner party, revealing short aspects of their backstory that, again, fleshes out the clue mythos more than the game ever deserved. Shaw uses arrows, diagrams, mazes, and color-coded seating charts to illustrate and deepen a murder mystery that hasn't even taken place yet. I know IDW wants you to believe there's some weird history and beloved mythos behind the game of Clue, but the truth is, there isn't. It's the raw and strange talent of Dash Shaw that is worth the cover price here, and I cannot give this comic a bigger buy it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and... uh at first, I was like, all right, it's a comic about Clue, whatever. And right. then, like, one page in, uh, Shaw has a panel where it's, like, Professor Plum in his bedroom or study or wherever, and he's like, I can imagine the path the wind is taking through the window. And right. it's, like, this elaborate maze. It's incredible. It's like, whoa. Although I was furious they made Professor Plum black. Why they always got to do <laughs> well, that? Well, they made Colonel Mustard gay, so. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. It, it was really... It's a joke. Like, that I, is a joke. Yes, everybody just, knows so, that. Like, fuck you, Comicsgate. Clue, all the way up your butts. Clue is fu- <laughs> is fun. I, it's a, a fun game. I enjoy. Uh, but like Dash Shaw has taken it to another level, and right. it's made you like invest in these stupid characters. The first time we reviewed Clue, and I can't even remember who wrote it, we were like, "Hey, that shockingly wasn't bad at all." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the last series. This was is okay. legit great. Yep. Yeah, it's a buy it from me, Joe Patrick. Care to take us on to the road of bones? I will. The bony road. Yeah, the boner road. (laughs) The road of boners! Number one from IDW. (laughs) Written by Rich. I think that's our title. I don't think we're going to put boner in the episode title. (laughs) What? That's that's serious SEO, brother. Come on. Remember when we had horny dads in the title? Yeah, I sure do. (laughs) It's written by Rich Duick with art by Alex Cormack. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. In 1953, the Siberian gulag of Kolyma is hell on earth, which is why Roman Morozov leaps at the chance to escape it. But even if they make it out, Roman and his fellow escapees still have hundreds of miles of frozen tundra between them and freedom. With the help of a mysterious being straight out of his childhood fairy tale stories, Roman just might make it. Or is the being simply a manifestation of his brutal circumstances driving him insane? Oh no. I know, it's probably that one. <laughs> Road of Bones will carve a path of unrelenting dread right into your heart. Horror, history, and Russian folklore collide in this brutal survival tale, where the worst prison in the world is merely the gateway to even darker horrors. I'm pretty sure every time you have to ask yourself if something is simply a manifestation of brutal circumstances driving you insane. It's probably true. The answer is yes. <laughs> Once you get to that point on the Venn diagram of life, yes. Yeah, there is yeah, no yeah. no. <laughs> it's a Venn diagram, right? Yeah, like, yes? Uh, no? 
isn't it? No, Venn diagram is the overlapping. Oh, yeah, you're right. Never mind. Flow chart. Flow chart. Yes. If if yes, then this. If no, then this. Gotcha. The guards are cruel and relentless. The warden has no pity for your plight. No matter how small your crime, prisoners are ground beneath the heels of the prison authorities. Sometimes, literally, Kolyama is not a great place, but Roman's making the best of it, thanks to his maybe imaginary friend. Writer Rich Duick does a fantastic job selling the feeling of helpless terror that must have come with being a prisoner in a Russian gulag and the cost of doing what it takes to survive. Oh, it sucked. It sucked bad. There was no question. Yeah. I was very impressed with Alex Cormack's super moody art. Everything is drowned in a wash of thick black ink, which helps illustrate the hopelessness of Roman's situation and the bleakness of his surroundings. His pages are frequently laid out in a tight grid, with each panel packed with detail, which makes the prison scenes feel so claustrophobic. Yeah, it was really creepy. Even little things, which he might not have intended, but little things like slightly greater amount of gutter space between some panels helps add this sense of dread like there's an emptiness. Cormac's visual style is quite distinct, but the quality of his line work reminded me a lot of Realm's Jeremy Hahn. Oh, friend of the show. show, Jeremy Jeremy Hahn, Hahn. yeah. Although he might not admit it, but I get that. Yeah, you know. I didn't really have high expectations going into Road of Bones. I just didn't know anything about it. If anything, I thought I might be kind of bored by the historical angle, but on the contrary, I thought this was a really compelling story with great art, with a creeping feeling of supernatural foreboding that is bound to pay off in future issues. Giving it a buy it. Absolutely. This is super feel-bad comic booking. like. Cormac McCarthy soul crushing sure, yeah, comic right. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow, was it great. I mean, I don't want to be there, but I'll read about it. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a double buy it for Road of Bones number one and a double buy it for Clue Candlestick number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twoheadednerd.com so you can get so mad you decide to murder us in the sex dungeon with the big black. That was the new card in the latest issue. That was the new card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics. Are you afraid to say dildo? I'm sorry, you're right. Say it, Joe. Dildo. There's a limit. Dildo, dildo, dildo. This is what we do on this show. Dildo. (laughs) Please call us this weekend on THN Cover to Cover. Please. The St. Louis Blues have made the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in 49 goddamn years. And it is literally all I can do to even sit down and record this show. But sweet, simple Joe Patrick insists the show must go on. So let's hurry up and review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the ludicrous speed round so I can get drunk and watch some damn hockey. Ludicrous speed, go! Detective Comics 1004 from DC. The Arkham Knight's identity is finally revealed, and while I'm not going to spoil anything here, I think it's safe to say that this makes no goddamn sense. I'm whatsoever. I have so many questions. <laughs> Again, no spoilers here. The writer Peter Tomasi is taking some serious liberties with Batman's timeline. In the same fashion, the Fox's Gotham makes me want to tear my TV off the fucking wall. It is one thing to introduce a new villain and take some liberties on the past, but this doesn't even make any sense. I've been defending Tom King's Batman for a while now, but I don't know that I have the energy to defend Detective, too. Skim it for now. 
please prove me wrong, Mr. I mean, Tomasi. it's not even that it's bad. It's just that it's baffling. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah. It just doesn't. We'll talk about it on cover to cover. We're going to get way into it. Action Comics, number 1011 from DC. Is that even a number? No. The end is only the beginning as Bendis sets the stage for the upcoming event, Leviathan uh, event. The last spiral agent spills his guts to Lois mere moments before Leviathan strikes. Meanwhile, the Guardian is given an offer he probably can't refuse. I love the Guardian. Me too. I'm so glad that he's the Guardian again. And the Kate Spencer Manhunter returns. This I was love uh, the Manhunter. It was like a trip down memory lane. She beats the shit out of some cops. Yeah. <laughs> I am all in on this story and loving every page of it. And if I have to tell you how wonderful Steve Epting is on art, then you haven't been paying attention. I, yeah. Steve Epting, I feel like he's been void from our life for a while. Where has he been? He gone. No. Where was he? I don't remember exactly. I have to look it up. All right. Action Comics 1011 gets a huge buy-in. Yeah, this is great. Redneck number 20 from Image. Donny Kate's tale of monsters banished to Mexico continues to deliver super creepy characters, foul-mouthed hicks, vampire shaman with plans to take over the world, and drug-infused blood dealt by supernatural drug dealers. Sure. Redneck is dark, moody, and made for a cable series. Lissandro Esteran's pencils remind me of Eduardo Rizzo's 100 Bullets work, and when paired with D. Cunifi? Cunifi? Right? D. Cunifi's colors. <laughs> they do create one of the darkest titles on the stand. I mean... Buckets of black ink. This book is excellent. I'm giving it a buy it. Steve Epting drew Velvet, that image series by Ed Brubaker. That was a while ago. I feel like he must have done something. I don't know. Faithless, number two from Boom. Boom Studios really hyped up this mature reader's title from Brian Azzarello and artist Maria Lovett, Lovey, calling it, quote, an erotic depiction of faith, sex, and the devil in the tradition of the divine comedy. It's definitely adult. But I don't know if I'd call it erotic, especially since the main character, Faith, is being seduced by a woman who is almost certainly a demon with a habit of transforming into a writhing pile of worms during sex. That doesn't do it for you? Like mm, that you don't get like... I got the weirdest boner. You weren't like even at a halfy. <laughs> <laughs> Still, there's something interesting about Faith's story and where her interest in magic is taking her, and LaVey's art gives me some serious Paul Pope vibes. Paul Pope even draws the covers. I love Paul Pope. I don't know how long I'll stick around, but I'm kind of curious to see what direction Faithless goes for now. I'm giving it a skim. I need these books to come from Avatar, so I know what I'm getting. <laughs> Star Wars Rebellion, Jabba the Hutt, number one from Marvel. Greg Pak fleshes out one of the most interesting characters in the Star Wars mythos with this tale of Jabba's mob boss sensibilities, but the art just didn't match the story. While the art is by no means bad, and Emilio Lasso is very talented, his style is just probably better suited for a pulp noir story than the detailed house style Marvel has developed for their Star Wars universe that we've all come to love. The soul was here, but I needed a different artist to bring Java home. Skim it. Freedom Fighters, number six from DC. The shit really hits the fan as Adolf Hitler II unleashes the Fourth Reich's greatest weapon. Whoa. Overman. Robert Venditti does a pitch-perfect recreation of the first page of All-Star Superman number one that's just brilliant. Then he throws in a fun twist with ties to mainstream DC history. This book kicks so much ass. No one is reading it. Oh, my God. No one is reading it. Freedom Fighters is a wild ride with amazing art by Eddie Barrows. It's a 12-issue maxi series, and yeah. we're halfway there. I'm giving it a huge buy it. It's fantastic. It really is great. I'm one issue behind, but it really is great. 
Drawing Blood, number one from Kevin Eastman Studios. I had no idea what to expect for this title, but it turns out to be a meta tie-in to the radically rearranged Ragdolls one-shot, also out this week, and an obvious homage to TNT. The story follows the creator. I I, I understand. The story follows the creator of Ragdolls, who made a ton of cash when he sold the property, but found his financial ruin in the same business that made his fortune. Comics. Yikes. Drawing Blood is a brutal look into the world of comics in the late 80s, early 90s, with an excellent script by David Avalone and fantastic pencils by Ben Bishop. If you buy one loosely biographical story of the Ninja Turtles creator's fall from grace, <laughs> make it Drawing Blood. This book was great. I'm giving it a buy. Hey, shout out to David Avalone for being Johnny on the spot. Yeah, with the I just tweeted. Copy. I was. I don't even remember who tweeted at me. We don't. I don't even think we tweeted at him directly. No. And I was just like, hey, if somebody can find me a copy, and David Avalone, he's like, I got you, bro. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's great. <laughs> War of the Realms, Strike Force, Land of Giants from Marvel. No, not to be Chubby, confused with not Giant the War Man. Avengers or the Giant Man. No, 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 <laughs> Land of Giants. The more I read from Tom Taylor, the more I'm convinced he's my favorite new writer that's actually been around for years. He's so good. Yeah. This was a great story, fleshing out Thor's rescue by Captain America's squad of Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. Several funny moments. It's a genuine heartbreak as well. Jorge Molina just gets better and better, and his art is superb here. Yeah, I didn't think that dude could improve, but he appears to be doing this. Yeah. War of the Realms has been more hits than misses in the tie-in department, and Land of the Giants is definitely a hit. Buy it. Yaboom! That is your little crispy round end. Yaboom! It's the sound of Black Bolt very calmly and politely asking his sister-in-law, Crystal, to stay in Adelan. As seen in the pages of Fantastic Four Annual number 21, this onomatopoeia... Deep cut. <laughs> very deep cut. This onomatopoeia was submitted by Adam Wednesday via the THN Facebook fan page. He probably has my favorite THN fan name. Adam Wednesday. It's a good name. Yeah. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can very calmly and politely ya-boom yeah, it at us or... It might be easier just to hit us up on any yeah, of our I mean, social media. Shoot us an email very convenient. to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. We make it real easy. It's After right the last Yaboom, we almost lost a whole like, wing look, of the ziggurat. I mean, server. You know? we got delicate servers on the premises. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Magic items. Just quit Yabooming us. Come on. This week in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, I have fine-tuned the issues with the Weather Dominator plans we purchased from eBay, and we are taking climate change into our own hands. You don't want to believe humanity is having an effect on the weather? Wait till we drop 36 inches of snow on Mar-a-Lago and pay back for 30 damn tornadoes this past week. Count them! Matt, while we put the fear of God into the irresponsibly rich, why don't you tell the nerds about your must-read pick for Wednesday, May 29th? We are mad this week! We're mad as hell! My pick for next week is Hellboy versus Lobster Johnson, The Ring of Death. Oh, man. It's from Dark Horse, written by Mike Mignola and Chris Robertson with art by, listen to this lineup, Bill Crabtree, Dave Stewart, Paul Grist, and Mike Norton. Wow. 32 pages. It is $3.99. Paul Grist. I love Paul Grist. I love Paul Grist, too. Here's your solicit. Two legends meet face to face. Who will survive when Hellboy and Lobster Johnson meet in The Ring of Death? Hellboy's infamous misadventures in Mexico are revealed in this double-barreled one-shot. 
Mike Norton draws Hellboy's ill-fated turn as foe to Lobster Johnson in a luchador movie, while Paul Grist returns to draw the visitor as he lurks in the shadows with troubling doubts about his decision to spare Hellboy. Yikes. Whoa! Can't wait. Joe Patrick, what's your pick? I'm glad that even though Mike Mignola <laughs> destroyed the Earth in BRD and ended the universe, yeah. they're still going. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, to be fair, there was nowhere else to go with that story. Kind of. Like, it got yeah. so fucking, not that the story was bad, no, no, but the situation like, got so there's no, dire. There's no coming back. I think they were just like, yeah, we're blowing up the earth. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> My pick is Superman Leviathan Rising Special Number 1 from DC, written by Brian Michael Bendis, Greg Rucka, and Matt Fraction, with art by Yannick Paquette, Mike Perkins, and Steve Lieber. It is 80 pages for $9.99. That's a kick-ass lineup, too. Yeah, here's your solicit. An all-star roster of writers and artists highlight the new threat of Leviathan, but also tease up new ongoing series for Jimmy Olsen by writer Matt Fraction and artist Steve Lieber and Lois Lane by writer Greg Rucka and artist Mike Perkins coming in June. As Leviathan enacts a plan to take down Superman, it's up to Lois, Jimmy, and the heroes of the DC Universe to rescue the Man of Steel. Now, I just gushed about Leviathan, uh, the action comic storyline, yeah. and that's not what this pick was all about. It no. was all 100% about Fraction and Rucka coming back and yes. doing their thing. Yes. I'm excited for those Super folks. excited, definitely. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Highwayman, the trade paperback from IDW Top Shelf, written and illustrated by Corin Shamdi. It is 160 pages. Shadmi. 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 That's what I said. You said Shamdi. I you said conflated the said M and the Shadmi. D. Shadmi. Now, you're being a jerk. All right. 160 pages for 19.99. Here is your solicit. Advanced solicited for May release. Thank God. <laughs> the, solicit, the solicit came out in August. Forever on the move, Highwayman travels through the vastness of North America, searching for the source of his condition. He suffers from a strange, seemingly incurable disease, immortality. Whoa. Bound to the road at the mercy of whomever will give him a ride, he encounters people who reflect a rapidly changing world around him. Moving through centuries of change, he watches humanity's precarious trajectory towards an unknown future. Israeli cartoonist Corin Shadmi, who did Love Addict and The Abaddon, turns to science fiction in a sprawling, ambitious journey across time and space. This one was recommended to us by our buddy Aaron Onken via the Twitters. To be fair, he thought it was a single issue and you were looking for something to pat out your that's five. That's true. That's true. But I was like, <laughs> that looks kick-ass. Yeah, I want to check that out, really too. He's like Kane from Kung Fu. Yeah, kind of. He but wanders a, the but immortal. Uh, Kane was a badass. He wasn't immortal. But he was a badass. Yeah. These picks are only a few of the comics the enslaved cyber apes that Diamond employs are shipping out next week, so be sure to let us know what we're missing out on at the THN Forum. It's true. They're apes, and they're enslaved, and they have robot parts, and they smash your boxes around and ship yeah, you damaged comics. Yeah, that's the only explanation. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Kids, it has been a minute, but our next segment, it needs no introduction other than to say, It's Hoots time! Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Well met, nerds. This is Toots, and this is Swords and Scrolls where I'm going to be giving you tidbits and reviews and whatnot of uh, various media, all revolved around the sword and sorcery genre. And what better way to start this segment than to talk about 
Conan's introduction into the Marvel Universe because Conan and where he ends up in the Savage Land, those are both things from the very first two comic books I ever bought and what got me into comics in the first place. So we should probably start with talking about uh, the first time Conan ever appeared in the Marvel Universe. It was in What If? And four issues and came to the modern world. Uh, in the first, the first time was obviously it, it's the best one. It's from 1979, February, Volume One, Number Thirteen. It plays off of Savage Sword of Conan, Issue Number Seven. There is um, the wheel at the center of time, which is this like magical well that uh, this wizard uses, and Conan escapes it. But in the What If, he does not, and he is flung into the 70s New York City. And it's really great. Um, He speaks uh, Hyborian, so nobody really understands him. And uh, he interacts with a lot of people, uh, New York people. He even walks past Mary Jane and Peter Parker. MJ! Hey, Tiger. Sorry I'm late. By the way... I saw your photos. He ends up hooking up with this cabbie. Her name is Dan. Uh, Danette, he calls her Dan. And uh, they have a thing. And she helps him escape the cops. And she helps him find his way to the Guggenheim. Where there's all this like crazy lightning storm. And every time the lightning strikes, um, it kind of opens this portal back up through this wheel of uh, center of time. And so he climbs... Uh, he climbs to the top of the uh, Guggenheim and he gets zapped by the lightning bolt and presumably sent back home. Uh, he does, you know, thwart a museum robbery in the meantime, and it's all really great. The fun fact is Danette was designed and modeled after Roy Thomas's wife. To me, that's kind of weird that you would write a comic book where character based off your wife is going to hook up with Conan, but uh, whatever. He's got a long relationship with the character, so I guess that's okay. Uh, And then uh, the second time he appeared is in uh, issue number 39. uh, 1983, I believe. It's actually Thor. Thor is tricked by Loki. No! The hot dog was merely enchanted. (laughs) And he goes back to the Hyborian Age and he's depowered, and his hammer is depowered. So Conan can go toe to toe with him for a little bit, but then they end up being buddies. And then Thor wants to go talk to Krom, and he climbs Krom's mountain. And then Krom takes his hammer and throws it way over there. And then Conan and Thor become buddies and thieves and all this stuff. But then Thor's like, "I don't like thieving so much. Maybe it's not the best thing to be doing." And they uh, they go off to face the wizard Thoth Amon, who claimed Mjolnir. And Threaten us not, villain. Thor has brought giants larger than Galactus to their knees. Wait. They fight him. Thor dies in the fight, but they get the hammer back, and he gives the hammer to Conan, who is suddenly worthy enough to wield it, and he says, go climb Krom's mountain and tell him that all the gods should be peaceful to each other, and blah blah blue and uh, that's kind of where they leave it off. Ah! 
Oh, man. And now here comes the classic one. February of 84, uh, issue number 43. It's actually a what-if ending to the very first Conan what-if. Instead of getting hit by that lightning and zapped back to his own time, he gets arrested before the lightning strikes and thrown in prison. Now, Conan, uh, (laughs) he escapes into the city and um, he steals a knife from a pawn shop and basically he just becomes like a thug he becomes a pimp he learns about money he learns about cocaine he gets a uh, he takes over a, a gang and they become his crew and he goes to see dan the girl from the first series and she's like i don't dig pimps and he like goes to her house with like a leopard on a chain and he's wearing a white pimp suit it's ridiculous but he does fight Captain America. Captain America! Uh, while they're trying to do a museum robbery to steal Hyborian relics. And, uh, hey, the Avengers Mansion's right down the road. So here comes Captain America. He and Conan fight, which is pretty fun. Conan escapes, and the Yi has a, a one-on-one fight. With, he calls Captain America out, and they have, like, a one-on-one fight. And Cap's like, I really know you're not really that bad of a guy. And, uh... Here's the Avengers phone number if you ever want to join us. And that's the end of that book, basically. Like, Conan's staring at the phone after he is on the run for a while, and he's like, should I call the Avengers? Then we jump to volume two of What If and issue number 16. I told you about that one before. That's the one where Conan fights Wolverine. I know what you're thinking, punk. Question is, can I get Wolverine before he turns me into shish kebab with those claws? And it's uh, pretty ridiculous. Now, basically, this all leads up to Conan and the Savage Avengers, which is uh, the book that's out now. Now, when I first was giving my thoughts on him coming to the Marvel U, I was like, how did he get to the Savage Land? I went and revisited uh, the Avengers No Road Home, the last issue, or second to last issue, when the Night Queen takes over the House of Ideas, which is really dumb. The House of Ideas... And the Marvels, that was a really dumb part of that story. Sorry, anybody who liked it. But anyways, she zaps both the Hulk and Conan out of the situation. That's how he gets in the Savage Land. I think I had tapped out by that time reading that storyline, so, you know, whatever. Anyways, the story is okay in the Savage Avengers. It's actually, you know, very much a... Conan tale where there's like this cult trying to bring back a god and there's the thing is it's like it could have been handled so much better right away they say Conan heard rumors that there is a magic amulet in a wizard tower in the city of sickles well who told him that that would have been really cool to see Conan interacting with different tribes in the savage land traveling different areas of it and hearing these rumors then he fights Wolverine During the fight, Conan sticks his sword in Wolverine's head. It gets stuck there. And he says, Krom. And Wolverine basically curses at him. You know, it's uh, the Grawlix. So it basically says, screw Krom, screw you. And then Conan, like, whips a rock at him. And Wolverine goes, cripes! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. Okay, Wolverine just dropped the F-bomb twice, and now he's just going to say cripes. Then, like, they become buddies after the fight, and 
Wolverine calls Conan Bub, so Conan calls Bub? him. Yeah, he calls him Bub. And so then <laughs> Conan calls Wolverine Bub. It, like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. See, even my kid's laughing at it. Basically, it went, made me want a map of the Savage Land. Now that they've added this city of sickles, in the beginning with the Savage Land, I've always been cool with like it being just undefined and like characters <laughs> could go there and things could happen and whatever. But now that there's like this city and other people, and I, I, I'd love to see a map. Like any map of the Savage Land is old from old handbooks, and you could really do a badass map like they do in the Savage Sword when they show the age of the Hyborian continent. Anyways, I'm getting long in the tooth here. I don't think Conan works in an ensemble book, and this is like a bunch of Wetworks characters with the Avengers name, which is bad because Avengers don't kill, right? That's kind of always been the thing. But now you got a bunch of killers, and it's a one-trick pony, and it's a it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick book, so skim it, I guess. If we're going to no, I'm gonna come up with my own rating. I give it one sword out of five, right? So all we have to say now is crom, right, Conan? Say it. Crom. That is it for THN 529, and there is a massive online petition to stop 530. Joe Patrick, before we explain to millennials everywhere that nobody gives a shit about your digital signature or your retweets, ask these nerds a new question of the week. Real quick, was there ever a time that an online petition did fucking anything? I don't know. (laughs) Not that I know of. It's never in the news. Like, oh, man, we were going to start a war. But uh, everybody liked this post on Facebook. But Fartmaster69 started a petition. Never mind. (laughs) This week's question comes from our very own Fartmaster, Brian Domingos, via the THN forums. Fartmaster, yes. (laughs) Nerds, let's talk culture. What is your favorite foreign comic or series reprinted for the American or English market? Sorry about the nickname, but it's Fartmaster from here out. Fartmaster Domingos. I blame Joe Patrick. If you're new to the show and you wish you could have a do-over for the last hour, I assure you, it is only because you have not heard enough. The good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com, but hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like our brand new patron. Wait a minute, this can't be right. Joe Benkus? Yeah. Casual Comics guy. Yeah, what took him so long? Did he get rid of Casual Comics Kid finally? Maybe he sold her, and that is what's funding there the you donations. Go. That makes more sense. Joe Benkis. Everyone knows kids aren't worth shit. Thank you, baby. Well, you got to sell them when they're young. Yeah, yeah. When they're little and they've got good teeth. And they're not going to see like that they're short and weak, you know? <laughs> Before we go, thank you, Joe. Sincerely. Before we go, our weekly shout Thank out- you for selling your child. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate that. Our weekly shout-out goes to our good friend Chase Magnet, who recently stepped into the role of Comic Reviews Editor at ComicBook.com. <laughs> Fancy pants. Word to you, and congrats, Chase. Until next time, true relievers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just step on your genitals. This Look. is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. That's very extreme. You're pissed, you know?